writers, agents, and publishers, for the first time since the Gutenberg Press, find themselves lost in a maze of mystery as technology alters the shape of the publishing industry. Searching for Answers is a group of writers throwing pop culture, writing, and publishing into a crucible of clarity, passion, and humor. This group is the Right Pack. everyone and welcome to Write Pack Radio. I am the co-host Kathleen Kayembe, filling in for David who is out sick today. Poor thing. In the lungs. Dun 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 dun. <laughs> I have not taken him out for my own <laughs> hosting pleasure. Um, I've introduced myself, Kathleen Kayembe. I write paranormal romance under the pen name Kaseka and Vita and with me today I'm Jennifer Stolzer. I'm an illustrator and an author of fantasy stories. Fedora Amos. I write Victorian whodunits like Jack the Ripper in St. Louis, and I'm president of Greater St. Louis Sisters in Crime. Brad R. Cook. Uh, I write steampunk. Awesome. And uh, my novel Iron Horseman comes out in November. Check it out. Uh, Other than that, I am a publisher of Blank Slate Press and president of St. Louis Writers Guild. I'm Melanie Colaney. I write science fiction, fantasy, and nonfiction. All righty, everybody. We are talking about reboots today. Reboots are uh, different from something we were discussing before, which are new shows in the same series that do not restart continuity. A reboot takes the same thing and restarts the entire continuity, like Star Trek. Could we, uh, wait a minute, could we actually get a slightly clearer definition of reboots? And this is why well, I'm sadly we're not talking about <laughs> reboot, which reboot. Jen and I would love, so just reboot. quick shout out to Reboot. Hi, all the reboot fans. All right, yeah, that was a cartoon. First, if you don't know it, go check it out. It is historic. It is the first fully CG cartoon yes. on daytime television. Yes. Okay, what reboots actually are, though, uh, as we talked about, are when you take an established series, and you take that series, and you twist it, you chuck continuity out the window, you chuck everything that the fans loved and cherished and wanted and everything and you threw that out the window and you do your own thing you might have um, added a little bit of emotional yeah. maybe, maybe just okay. emotional okay, yeah. just, Come on, and reboots bad? actually can be better than the original in theory depending yeah depending but the difference it's for, rare the reboots point. is the original doesn't matter well it's like uh, but then they will reboot the reboot and screw it up again alright so it sounds like there's already a lot of emotional angst in this topic so I'm still looking for clarification here does All right. that mean that the only thing that is kept in the reboot is a title no, 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 no. That, that is a bad reboot that's a bad reboot that's a horrible reboot okay here's here's a, an example where pretty much they only kept the title so original I don't know how many people saw this, but Hercules is a myth. It's a Greek myth. Um, I get Greek and Roman confused, but Hercules is the Greek version. Anyway, it's a basic story. He's the son of Zeus, and he has all these adventures. And there were some books written about that, and that have been made in many movies. And there was a TV series and all that. Well, this most recent movie 
of Hercules was definitely a reboot of that. Uh, why do you say that? Yeah, but that's kind of a keep... twist on old fables. Yeah. There's a difference between a reboot and an adaptation. Yeah. Okay. That would be an adaptation because you're taking a myth and that has been adapted many times, retold in a new person's voice. A reboot would be if the Hercules movie that just came out was supposed to be based on the TV show. Yes. The TV show that was running alongside Xena. If that was what that movie was supposed to be of, only it started over again and it ignored everything that happened in that show... But it took the same universe and the same characters and the same look and feel of it and then started again, that would be a reboot. So, so would, once again, yes. the only thing that is in common with the original, then, is, like, the background information. No, the basic story. So here, let me take some, <laughs> draw some classic examples right. that might help explain this. The first off, we're going to talk about adaptations, okay? Take Sherlock Holmes. Now, Sherlock Holmes has been retold and retold and retold again, okay? And if you take the Johnny Lee Miller television show Elementary, that's not a reboot. That's an adaptation. They've twisted Watson. She's a woman now. Uh, they've moved it into modern day. That's all an adaptation. A I reboot. will say that was the American version. In the English version, Watson is still male. Hold on. Well, so, going to a reboot, oh. so you have... Uh, we'll take Transformers, okay? Let's a take Transformers. running television show, beloved by children. That got rebooted into another television show. Yes. That was the Transformers, the same characters, the same sort of backstory, but a complete new twist on how everything in the world was done. Now they've made a movie out of that. So what are they taking? They're taking the characters, they're taking the plot, in the sense of, so you have, you know, these big, huge characters... Your iconic characters. So you have, like, if you want to take Sherlock Holmes, you're going to have <laughs> Sherlock, you're going to have Moriarty, you're going to have Watson, you're going to have these people. Do they have to live at 21 Baker Street? Not necessarily. It's, you know, but he has to be a detective going around. You know, there's, when you reboot, there's certain things you can do, but you have to keep the core I think of it, the story. I think it has something to do with I'm also who, lost. who owns the rights to it. Like, you reboot your own thing, but you adapt someone else's. Yeah. Can I offer an explanation? Go for it. Yeah, we've tried many times. Have a go. All right. So, um, reboot. Do you know what you do when you reboot a computer? Turn it back on. You start from scratch. It's essentially like, okay, a rebooted franchise is like a factory reset. It goes back to the original settings. The original settings for whatever device. The pilot? Is that what you said? Yeah, pretty much. You know, but then they you redo know the pilot too. It takes, it takes what you had. No, it's the same thing. Pretty it much. takes it's what you had, thinking. all of the franchises, uh, storylines, narratives, all that continuity, and it takes it back to a to a single starting point, and restarts it from there with so something it, it different. It ignores everything that once happened in it the does. series. Yes, it yes. does. It can draw from those things, like those those so aspects it of the universe. But it, it, it does. Yes. Like, yes. it might happen again. I think that's the point. Yeah, like if oh, so it's starting, it's like rewinding the story yes. back to an earlier point and, and then starting over. Spider-Man, yeah. yes, Spider-Man, Spider-Man. Okay, throw Spider- out Spider-Man. Spider-Man is a perfect example. There have yes. been a lot of Spider-Man movies recently. There were yes. a lot of Spider-Man movies in the past, but recently they create they made a three movie, you know, a trilogy about Spider-Man starring Tobey Maguire. I don't know if you've seen any of those. It's bitten by a spider. Yeah, it's like it told it retold his origin story. Yeah. Uh, it reintroduced a bunch of villains that everyone already knew were Spider-Man villains. Uh, it re-killed Uncle Ben. You know, all those things. Uh, those, uh, those movies 
uh, degraded into ridiculous pretty fast. And they realized quickly there was nothing more they could do with them monetarily. Because people thought they were a joke after the third one. So then they rebooted it. Well, it's also about keeping a license, too. Yes, to keep the license. But they rebooted it. So they picked a new cast. They retold the spider bite portion. They re-killed Uncle Ben. They reintroduced all of these villains that we all know with a new set. And they tried again. And so now they can continue from that continuity instead of the previous continuity. Yes. Can but it sounds to me like it's so repetitious, nobody would want to see it. Well, it can be. A, it can be. A, I think, uh, or you're just in, you know, introducing it to a new generation of kids who were five. I, I thought of an example that's more, more iconic, maybe. Okay, maybe. Superman. The radio show and the black and white TV show Superman. With, you know, Superman being Superman. Then there was the 70s version of Superman. That was a reboot of Superman. And then, further on, now, recently, there's been new Superman. And um, uh, what keeps it from being an adaptation is that we are retelling Superman. You know, like, we're not, we might change some things, but he's, in essence, still the same dude being retold the same story, as you would read a book over again. An adaptation of Superman might decide, well, this time Superman, let's see what would happen if Superman happened in, at the end of the world. And there's a comic book series about that. So it's like, that's more of a, let's retell it and think creatively about it. I think, there is, wait, I think there is a Kevin difference Smith, between Nick a reimagining and right. a reboot, and I think that should be established pretty firmly. Say that again, Kathleen, more clearly. There's, there should be... Um, we need to establish a difference between a reimagining of a series or anything else and a reboot, because I feel like a reboot has a very specific set of circumstances to do with franchises and money and particular narrative storylines. Yes. Yeah, you're really taking the same story and telling it again. Yes. Because but an adaptation a, changes that. But what makes it a reboot? Okay. Why why if um why isn't the Batman comic that imagines Batman um or the Wolverine movie? Why isn't the one the the Ronin Wolverine comic a reboot of Wolverine? What makes that different from something like say well. X-Men. Jen's Wade. Um, It's the business aspect that makes it a reboot. That's what I meant by like the people who own the license. A great example would be My Little Pony. Mm -hmm. I grew up in the late 80s, early 90s in love with My Little Pony. And there was an 80s My Little Pony cartoon that I would watch every day before I took a nap. I loved it. Uh, I adored it, and then for a good portion of my growing up years, there was no My Little Pony, because My Little Pony's popularity waned and was replaced with something else. Here recently, and a couple times in the past less successfully, but here recently, they just rebooted My Little Pony because they wanted to turn it into something that could be a new vehicle to get money for them, and give it new life, and take the same franchise, but give it that reboot, start it over again, fresh start, let's go, and it's become very, very popular after doing that. That's a successful reboot of a franchise. Mm -hmm. Okay, by that logic then, it is impossible to reboot the Conan Doyle series, anything about Sherlock Holmes, because it's now in the public domain since 2011. I would agree with that. Uh, With the proviso that you can certainly (laughs) reboot your own adaptation of Sherlock Holmes. And that's what we were saying. (laughs) Sherlock is a perfect example of an adaptation. 
more so than a reboot, because a reboot really is taking the same story and putting in. Like, if you were to redo Hound of the Bastardvilles, Hound of the Baskervilles, if you were to redo that, just that story, exactly the way it is, that's a reboot. But if you just take one of them... She just said it wouldn't be possible. Here's the reason. Here's the reason I say that, because you're taking the full canon of it. It's not necessarily about that. What you're doing is taking the whole story. An adaptation changes something. It's an adaptation of the original. But the a original, reboot, a reboot can change stuff, but it doesn't necessarily have to. A reboot implies that it's a thing that had momentum, that then lost momentum, that you then give momentum again. That's I, rebooting it. Who can reboot something? Someone who's done it already. No. Um, more specific, because can well, I reboot Sherlock Holmes? No, okay, no. here, take can Three I Musketeers. Can I reboot Sir no, no. Arthur Conan Doyle can reboot. Here's take I Three Musketeers. The Three Musketeers no, starts the as a book. It continues on as you know a number of movies. Each time the same story gets told. D'Artagnan comes to Paris. Paris, you know, meets all three of them. That's not a reboot. But that's not an adaptation. The person who owns the rights to it keeps getting rebooted every it's few years. It's a retelling. Years, if you're going to call it, it a retelling, but a how's retelling. a retelling different from a reboot? A retelling, like Good I could question. retell you. Because it's not. Who owns I still it? feel like reboot has that. Business aspect to it. Okay, but retelling's so, the same thing. Okay, so, so retelling is something like I really love the story. I'm going to retell it. I'm adapting a version of a, a children's which is exactly story what right J.K. Abrams did. He took Star Wars, a beloved story, and he but retold who, it. He retold it, but Star Trek. He, Star, Star Trek. Trek. He retold it, but the license holders rebooted it. The businessmen rebooted it using his retelling. See, I would say there's less of a definition between hmm. the story and the I think that's interesting, though. I think the that's the an franchise point. was rebooted. The story was retold. So a person can retell something. It doesn't matter who that person is. But if the business behind that person owns whatever it is, the title it is that they're retelling, then it can be a reboot, depending on what they're doing to retell. As far as I'm concerned, rebooting is, like you said, it's like re hard-setting a computer. You know, you want to make it work again. When do you reboot something? You don't just reboot it for fun. That's not something you do to your computer for fun. You reboot it because it stopped working. And then you start it up again and hope it works this time. That's what a reboot is. Is things wane, so they change something, sometimes for the worse. I mean, I'm going to pull out Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles real quick. (laughs) They've rebooted that several times trying to get little kids to be interested in it. And it's worked for the most part. Every new reboot, which is like... Same origin story, same four turtles, same personalities, same names, same circumstances, but but with like a slick new veneer on it, so that it's more applicable to children of this modern era or whatever. It's like, we're used to anime, so we're going to make them look more anime this time. Kids now like CG, so we're going to make them CG this time. It's all, all the decisions they're making have to do with whether or not it's now marketable, and that's what a reboot is. Okay, um... I just looked up Wikipedia. Which maybe we should have done earlier. Sorry, okay. everyone. So, in serial fiction, and maybe that's part of it, it needs to be a serial, not a one-off story. To reboot means to discard all continuity in established series in order to recreate its characters, timeline, and backstory from the beginning. Okay, let's forget about entomology. We don't care about that right now. <laughs> Types of reboot. Film. With reboots, filmmakers revamp, reinvigorate a film series in order to attract new fans and stimulate revenue. There you go. Um, Reboots can renew interest in a series that has grown stale, can be met with positive, mixed, or negative results by the consumer and film critics. Reboots are also 
act as safe projects for the studio, with Reboot as an established fan base and is less risky in terms of expected profit than an entirely original work, while at the same time allowing the studio to explore new demographics. Video games. Reboots are common. Yeah. But let's do comics because comics is. Yeah. No, I think we're good. But Jen, to let you know, on the Urban Dictionary, the number one definition of reboot Uh is the cartoon show. Gotta love it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Can we talk about some reboots? Because I feel like we have attacked the definition with gusto. Yeah. uh, Well, we mentioned a bunch of them. Let's take a. We mentioned the biggest ones like Spider Man and Three Musketeers and Star Trek. Let's take a positive spin. What are some of your favorite reboots and retellings? Well, see, I would actually argue that one of my favorite retellings is the Disney version of Three Musketeers, which I think hits it right on the nose, probably better than most of other movies do. Is this the one with. Oh my goodness. Charlie Sheen and yes. yes. Oh, that I thought you were talking about the ever. one with Mickey I and I love friends. that movie. No. <laughs> no, no. I knew you weren't talking yeah. about that one. Yeah, Charlie Sheen, uh, 24 guy. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, um, Kiefer Sutherland. Kiefer Sutherland. And uh, Oliver Platt and Rebecca. Oliver De- Platt? Yeah. Oh, God, he's the he's Porthos the Pirate. Oh. Oh, he's the best Porthos the Pirate. And uh, the, the D'Artagnan, played by. Is uh, Chris, uh, Chris Robin. O'Donnell. Chris O'Donnell, there yeah. we go. And, Lovely uh, and you know great reboot. Oh, it's an amazing, amazing movie. Gabrielle Moore plays the queen. The king has this really creepy nose. <laughs> uh, His that, nose that is a cool character. That cool dude and plays Rochefort and Tim, Tim Curry. Curry. Michael Wincott is awesome. Rochefort and Tim yes. Curry is the cardinal. Yeah, so I would actually throw out that as probably one of my all-time favorite, you know, retellings, reboots, whatever you want to call it. But oh, just because I love it, so you know, it's a great. You know, it's the classic tale. It doesn't deviate from the main story really too much. I mean, it does in the end and stuff. But, you know, through <laughs> the, the classic storylines. Exactly. And that's what you really want is for them to take, you know... To be perfectly honest, I wouldn't really care about the, the Star Trek reboot had they not blown up Vulcan. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait a minute. Let's, let's talk about Star Trek because that's a good example of something that what they did, part of it wasn't a reboot and part of it was and let's... But, for instance, Star Trek, there was the original series. Then there was Star Trek The Next Generation. That was not a reboot. That was a continuation with the story. Everything that happened in the original Star Trek still happened. I don't know. I would still call it a reboot because it was reinvigorating a dead franchise. Well, yeah, but that was. But they kept their continuity, therefore it yeah, wasn't a reboot. They didn't retell it. They we didn't retell a, it. They just rebooted it. Kick her ass and Captain. Yes. Yeah, but they but, more interesting crew. But this in new, this most recent movie is a reboot because they threw away continuity. No, it's a reboot because they reinvigorated a dead series. It's a retelling because they threw away continuity. Well, I mean, mm. we got a new Captain Kirk. We got a, you know, he was a younger Captain Kirk. Yeah. He was True. a character. He was it an actor being a playing prequel, a younger. It's funny. Captain he Kirk. took his reboot and then he turned it into a prequel. Yes, and that just messes with everyone's head now. So, yes. thank way. you, JJ. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So and they made one of the least emotional characters one of the more emotional characters. That's another thing. But anyway. Oh, he was always a broiling pit of emotion. You just couldn't read it behind the, that Leonard Nimoy coolness. <laughs> uh, it comes out in the. Uh, he does cry. The, the naked time. The Frodo Baggins song. <laughs> so. YouTube it. Good reboots. I guess it is the Bilbo Baggins song. Good well, I have some. Yes, yes. Which will surprise you because 
this movie was probably <laughs> remoted before you were even born. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it's James M. Cain's The Postman Always Rings uh, Twice. Yeah. And it had a wonderful movie way back in the 40s. Yes. And then was rebooted. Same same story, but sexed up yep. with Jessica Lange. Um, I would I would call that a retelling. That's, yes. It's a good okay. example. No, I, I, no, I think it. I I'm, think that I'm sticking to no. my idea that a reboot is a franchise. No, no. See, and he see. I would say this because, and this is a really see. I would say it's in the classic Hollywood terms of every twenty years, we've just got to go back to the vault and remake everything. See, it's remade. Remake, which but is see, I'd call that a reboot. I don't call because you're reboot. rebooting that movie and bringing it up and bringing it back to the forefront. Okay, just to, to be, be clear, honest, rebooting implies that there was momentum before for this movie; that it wasn't the just postman a thing. Rings twice well, it was, was a, thing it was it was something was. that was made, but it what they didn't make a Postman Rings Twice two. It wasn't a, a series. Ring That's the point. R- rings Twice you the animated series. Yeah. <laughs> That's no, the point. It's like this. They made a movie, but see, which I would say you can reboot a single entity. David, I am so sorry. I would say you can reboot a single entity in non violating your law of franchising because technically a franchise is the explosion of something so if you look at a Alfred Hitchcock movie okay take a single and, and actually those have been remade too look at Psycho that's been a that's but been, you can remake anything but the point is is that if you're going by the notion that you're reinvigorating this franchise so yes. take Psycho you had Psycho back in the 60s which is one of the most transformative movies of the 60s blew up the biggest thing ever yeah. Okay, it was on par with Catching Fire and the other massive but it was movies a of thing. today. It was one thing. Yeah, it's it was a, a thing, wonderful though. thing that people loved. It was a thing, but it wasn't a thing that was continuing to go somewhere. That but they see, kept I would say making new stuff for it gets that then re-booted. lost interest and then needed a reboot. And see, I would say it got rebooted into a movie re- and then into a television show and then everything else. So technically, by that now it, you can reboot the the Bates Motel television show. Because the television show is something see, that I would is say continuing that's all to be still made. a reboot of the original Psycho. May I that's cut not in? a reboot, though. May I cut that's in? That's a retelling. Yeah. It's an adaptation. I think we are still confusing terms or uh, conflating terms. Yes, I definitely. I think what we're doing, um, a reboot, like, like Jenna said, can reinvigorate a series, bring new life, bring new people into the fandom of that series. But that itself does not make a reboot, because remakes can do that very same thing. Yes. So I would like to differentiate the language we use between reboot and remake. Reboot is specifically, there is a continuity. We are resetting it. So So what happened before no longer counts as canon. Because what happened before was no longer interesting and profitable to your fan base. See, I don't think that's an essential part of the definition. I have to agree, because um, you can remake something because the fan base is not interested in it anymore. Like, didn't they try to do that with? Um, I think the point I'm trying to make is that there's a peter out, like it peters hmm. out. Like there's yeah. a loss of interest over time, and then you reboot something to give it new interest. See, I think that might be the motivation for reboots, but I don't think yeah. that's part of the definition of reboots. I have a really hard time saying that Psycho was rebooted, retold, remade. Yes, because it was a thing that existed. That was wonderful. That it was, but it was one thing. It wasn't like, uh, like you could reboot a, a series of like a line of toys. It doesn't have to be a television show. The point is, it's a property that was generating things, more things than just one thing. Just yeah, lots but- of things, but soon after a while, there was more things than there was interest. 
and then you reboot it to give it a fresh new See, page. again, I think you're confusing the reasons for a reboot with the actual definition of reboot. Um, you know what, guys? I love y'all. I love all of us. We're great people. I'm bored with the definition talk. I want to talk about actual things that have been rebooted or reimagined or remade or redone. And okay. I have been Different. I have been waiting for this talk specifically to hear Jennifer tell me about Transformers. I don't want to anymore. No. <laughs> No, this is the worst thing ever. Okay, let's, oh, let's, let's talk about every 60s and 70s television show. All right. You've got the Brady Bunch. That's been rebooted. You had... Uh, so now the question is, are you calling this a remake or a reboot? Well, what makes a good retelling yeah, of any Chips is stories? about to be rebooted. Uh, Dukes of Hazard's been rebooted. Charlie's Angels was rebooted. Can we discuss what makes a good reboot slash retelling slash remake? Because I feel like there are certain things that you have to keep regardless of what you do to the continuity in order to have the soul of the show or movie series or books except that it's not really books see I think actually you can do it in books too comics well not just comics but like uh, Nancy Drew has been rebooted Uh, Hardy Boys has been rebooted my childhood no uh uh I think but I'm not sure you actually read the reboot alright so what makes a good reboot though I would throw out that what you really need to do is keep the core if you take something like Star Trek, you know, when J.J. Abrams came in, he didn't, you know, he still gave us Captain Kirk and, you know, Spock and Uhura and, you know, all the characters we knew and loved. He gave us the Enterprise because the Enterprise is, hands down, one of the most important things about that story. Now, he gave us the same aliens. It's not like he brought in a whole group of new people that we had never heard before. You know, so by keeping that canon... It allows you to then expand out and blow up Vulcan and do whatever you want to do to screw up the story, have, you know, future Spock meet old Spock, and they're all living together now in the same world. You know, you can do that because we're still invested in a story that resonates with us as the originals. Now, something like Star Wars, and I'm going to throw it out there, it's not a reboot, it's not anything, it's continuation. However, what I think people are angry about in the one, two, and three, is that a lot of what we knew about in four, five, and six was changed. So Jedi changed, the Sith were different, the Empire was different, the Rebels were different, everything. Midichlorians. I mean, we got all kinds of craziness thrown at us. Now, personally, I love it. We were talking about it before, and I'm not going to get into it. But it doesn't matter. The point is, is that it changed too much from what I think people were expecting. And I think that's why J.J.'s gone back to trying to bring back that kind of old Star Wars feel, the 70s, 80s Star Wars. And I think with Star Trek, that has changed to the point of, because he kept it, people have accepted that reboot. I'm not so sure they've accepted it. They've accepted it. It's a franchise, and it's still going to be made into another movie. Fedora's been waiting. Yes. I think you have a, a really good point, Brad. Which it, it applies equally well to, and I don't want to get on this reboot yeah. topic mm-hmm. thing again, but it applies equally well to any series, I mm-hmm. think, or any adaptations or any reboots for exactly. that matter, whatever they are. Mm-hmm. And it is simply that there are certain things that your reader or the television viewer or the movie viewer takes to heart in any movie, any book, any television show. And if somehow 
the next thing in the series or the next reboot can capture that, then it too will be successful. But if they fail, if their instincts are wrong, if they pitch out the wrong stuff or too much stuff, then it'll flop. Yeah, I completely agree. And oh, the I've I haven't seen the new uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, and I haven't seen the old one since I was a kid. But um, the new movie, for example, uh, originally. Uh, in the new movie, originally it was going to be, forget about the teenage years, they were going to be mutant ninja turtles, but they were going to be aliens, not actual turtles. And apparently there was such an uproar that they changed it back so now they're, you know, actual mutated turtles again. Well, I've never, I've never seen Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the cartoon. I've seen the movie, one of them, with Jen yeah. at the Tivoli, and I'm objecting to that because it... It goes against the very name of what they are. Yeah. What do you mean? Teenage Mutant, mutant Ninja, ninja turtles. turtles. If they're not mutant turtles who are ninjas and teenagers, then there's a problem. It was going to be. Yeah, yeah. But they that's just it. it. That's, there was such an obje- They were going to basically give them a brand new origin story, and there was such an objection they had to put back the original origin story. Mm-hmm. I think that goes to what Fedora was saying and what Brad was saying. If you... If you can't, if you don't retain the core, the heart of whatever it is that you're rebooting, remaking, retelling, or if they whatever. misunderstand what the core really. Yeah, I think is. misunderstanding yes. the core is probably more common than purposely so, not retaining it. So that's the definitely what happened to Ninja Turtles in that in the planned retelling was that they misinterpreted why people were coming to see Ninja Turtles. It wasn't because, and I think they still misinterpreted it because from what I hear about this movie. Uh, it wasn't because they kick people, and it wasn't because they are turtle-shaped. <laughs> and it wasn't because of April O'Neil. You, we loved the Ninja Turtles as children and as adults, and we still love them today because we know who those people are. Yes. And they wear fedoras. Sometimes. Sometimes. Uh, They're named after Renaissance paintings. Yes. That's all it's we like, cared about. We, well, we know... It's in the, the theme song of the cartoon. We know who each of these characters yes. are. We want to come see our characters. Because in the essence of any story is character. And, and character is like friends. We're coming to see our friends. We might see them do the same thing we saw them do last time we were here. But they're our friends. And when you change them too much, then it feels offensive to us. So it's um, giving people... Giving characters in a show you love a makeover but not changing who they are. And the di- uh, we can go back to elementary for a minute. Mm-hmm. They changed Watson into a woman, but in the end, Watson is still the yes. the one who's running after Sherlock, and Sherlock is all this brilliant stuff, and, and you know Watson's getting kind of annoyed, but also learning to be really close with this man that's hard to understand and coming to understand him, and we can see that relationship grow. That relationship is the heart of the Sherlock Holmes franchise sort of thing. That's what is repeated in every single retelling. Actually, Sherlock himself changes a whole lot between different retellings. If you watch them back to back, it's obvious how different the different Sherlocks are. But the thing they always have, every Sherlock has their Watson and every Watson has their Sherlock. Mm -hmm. Fedora? (laughs) Well, I think um, I think that leaving them wanting more which is the whole idea of a cliffhanger, the whole idea of mysteries, Mm -hmm. is one of the things that will make a reboot or a continuing series successful. Take, for example, I guess it was a television series first that you all like to talk about a lot, Firefly. Mm -hmm. Firefly. Firefly Firefly had legs. 
people wanted it after it was off the air. It only went, what, three It went shows? 13 episodes. 13 yep. episodes. But then they demanded, really, that there was a movie. Yeah. And the movie turned out to be pretty darn good. I thought, I yeah. love yeah. Yeah, it. Yeah, it was good Serenity. It was a good movie. I wonder if it would not have been a good movie if it had not had the original cast. No. If it had somebody else other than Nathan Fillion as the captain. Yeah. Yeah. Would it yeah. have been a success then? No. It would not have been the same because would not, we yeah. would be coming back for Firefly, the crew. The now, relationship however, between the crew. I would throw out that if we if they'd waited too long and Nathan couldn't do it because he's old and gray now, yeah. had they recast but kept the you know the characters that we know and loved and had them all, you know, and, and had even kept each one of them and then kept Serenity and kept the world of kind of a space western, you know, kept that feel of it, I think it could still be successful. Because I believe that the actor, though, is whom I love and whom I identify with. In reality, it's the character mm-hmm. that I really love and I'm truly connected to. But and can that's they what I play care about. that character? That's, that's a question. Yeah. See if this yeah. hypothetical movie created, we'd have yeah. to wait and see and how they. A do. good actor should timing. be able to. I before put forth timing. <laughs> if they were People to recast to make Serenity, the number of years after Firefly would have been very important because yeah. if they could have gotten the original cast yeah. and, see, that's and they didn't then I think as a fan of the show I would have been like why didn't they get the original people it, uh, they could have played these people why are they recasting so it, if it were like 20 years later 50 years later though yeah, I can yeah, see why they wouldn't recast success. and I would be more able to invest in these new actors for the same characters. It's uh, This makes me think of something that hasn't happened yet, but they always talk about making a Halo movie. If, you know, the main character of the Halo franchise is a guy in a full suit of body armor. <laughs> we never see his face, but we hear his voice. If they made that movie, and the voice that came out of that helmet, no matter what it looked like, was not Steve Downs, I would be upset, because it would be so easy for them to get him to reprise his voice. That's one reason why I loved the Transformers movie when it came out, was because they got Peter Cullen to be Optimus Prime again. I was gonna go see my Optimus Prime on the screen. Uh, Later, he was horribly abused beyond his right need to be, in the later movies, when they just kick his can around like he's nothing, and they confuse him on screen with all the other flying bits of metal that oh doesn't gosh. do anything, he has no character, he's just there to either get kicked or to punch other people, then he commits outright murder in the third one, and he rides Grimlock like a horse in the fourth one. <laughs> so, But the point is that the first movie, when I went there and I saw my robots transform, and it made the sound... And yes. my favorite character, Bumblebee, was one of the stars. Yep. I went back and saw it five times, even though it was terrible, <laughs> because I loved it. I saw the second one twice in the same day and would be okay if I never saw it again. Rift Tracks didn't even save that movie. Wow. So what, what changed between the first one, which was... Nostalgic? <laughs> yes, and and the, the ones after, which became a problem. The first one tapped into my love of Transformers. Whoa. The second one was a, a self-flagellating festival of coarse humor and pointless action set pieces it, and bad dialogue. It wasn't and poor show. pacing <laughs> <laughs> and pretty much everything. This seems to be getting into what. Um, you heard the what rant. You and I were talking about. 
Well, as I was going to say, the first one of the Transformers movies holds true-ish to the characters we loved from the television show. It does shows. change a lot, it but changed the characters a lot, for the most part yeah. are there. However, when you hit two, when you hit three, like the Indiana Jones movies, we'll just forget about the fourth one. And but, However, when you, when you get into that, uh, you're starting to remove yourself from those beloved characters. There's a telephone effect. Yeah, and so by the end of it, I, I'm not caring as much because it's not Optimus Prime versus Megatron in the classicness with Bumblebee at his side, with you know sound uh, Soundwave, uh, Soundwave, who's now a satellite, yeah. sounds like Doctor Claw floating in space. You know he should like next. I need a star scream boom. next to Megatron. Okay, and, but and constantly I think the to, point know, is over. Mm-hmm. you no longer cared about the character. So if the character the turned, even there. if no, you had turned into somebody. For instance, if they had changed it, maybe changed it just as much, but you had cared about these new characters, they then you might have Ironhide. liked it. I have I mean, a question then. Yeah. Who's the only one left? Yeah, <laughs> you can't kill Ironhide. I, I so if they had in these uh, in the Transformers new movies, if they had taken the characters that everyone knew and loved in the first movie and built upon them in a way that seemed believable to fans of those characters for their own narrative journeys. You wouldn't have people leaving theaters. They'd literally just sit there it and hand their money back and be like, here, I'm going to sit here for the next one, too. It wouldn't be a joke now. Because it's turned into the example that people cite. The Transformers movies is the example of the idiot popcorn face stuffer movie. You don't go there for fulfillment of your emotional or mental faculties. You go there to watch flashing lights, hear loud sounds, and eat lots of popcorn. So, it's a good time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so how much can you change in, in a retelling of any kind, then? You can change a whole lot if your new story is also good. Mm. No, see, so, I would say as I mean, long as the, you keep the core, you get to play and do, do what you want. I'm, uh, I'm just jumping real quick, because we'll get yelled at if we don't mention that Transformers has done this to itself in the past. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Transformers movie from yeah. 1980s, the animated movie, Transformers the movie murdered the original cast on screen. Yes. Everyone died, except for, like, Bumblebee. But then he got a new head and chose a new name, and I didn't like it. It was really weird. I didn't It was strange. And the the motivation for that was they wanted to reboot their franchise by introducing new new toys. toys. Yeah. They wanted to show their new toys and have all the kids want to play with their new toys. But And then they commissioned, like... I'm making up a number. 60 episodes of season 3 of the Transformers cartoon show. And that show did not do as well as the 11 11 or 12 episodes of the first series that they had in syndication because new characters... They, the audience felt like they'd watched their friends get bludgeoned to death on television, and they yes. weren't ready to commit to this new batch of people because they felt like they were stealing from the old people. It must be Optimus Prime, and he must be a giant red freaking truck. Yes. Although he was a fire truck in the animated series, yeah. that was still okay. Yeah. So how much can you change in a, re- in a retelling in a series? I mean, like, you have the, the, first, the first movie reboot, say, of Star Trek. And it goes along to the sequel to that movie. How much do you have to retain? Like, how much can you change of these characters while retaining the core of a series? Because it sounds like they didn't do that very well in Transformers at all. Well, if you take, if you take <laughs> Star Trek. Okay, Captain Kirk is still a womanizer. 
He's still the first one to run in and punch somebody. That hasn't changed from when William Shatner played him. The impulsive guy. That needed to be there. Because Captain Kirk is one of the most impulsive, type A, you know, people, the alpha males, that have been put on screen. Spock had to be a scientist, had to be logical, had to have that air of, you know, you know, eruditeness to him, that just up, you know, you still had to retain that. Bones still had to be that country doctor. But you know? speaking of that, they pretty much wrote off Bones, but yeah. Well, well no, I, I actually there. really like what Carl Urban did, okay. you know, he did a really good portrayal of Bones. I mean, you know, he's not turning to the camera every five minutes and going, you know, I'm a doctor, not an engineer. But he actually does throw those lines in there a couple times, and it's hilarious. Mm -hmm. You know, but he's running around, and he's still the country doctor who's trying to, to, you know, fix all these ailments and do all these things. And, you know, is still content, you know, there's, there's, I kind of wish there was more of the three friendship, you know, relationship of the old. But I understand why they haven't done that. However, we had Ahura. You know, she's still a strong black woman, but she's kind of been recast now. Now she's much more involved and running around and part of the, you know, the crew and, and, the, and the power structure of the crew. And the love story. And there's a love story. With Spock! With Spock, not Scotty. I mean, in the last one she got James Doohan, so I think we might have a step up here. I was sad. I liked Scotty and Uhura. And see, Scotty's another one. A great revamp of a character. He's still incredibly smart. He's still kind of out there and a little wacky. Mm-hmm. You know, he's still willing to kind of skirt Starfleet, Starfleet regu- regulations in order to, like, you know, do what he wants to do. So it's kind of a thing in the sense of they kept a lot, but they changed enough. All right. Well, I would like to see what you think the portion of the writer is in all of this. Let's take, for example... James Bond. Mm. Yes. When Ian Fleming died, ever since, we've had lots more Bond yes. films. We've had lots more Bond books written by Kingsley Amos. Yep. Lots of people. John Gardner, who are pretty good writers. How has that affected the series, the reboot, whatever you want to call it? What happens when you lose your writers? Well, it's happened also to uh, The Born Identity. And a few of the others. It's not just you know. Uh, it's not just Bond. But you're right. And to be honest, personally, if if I were an author and I got handed one of these canons, these just mythical canons that are out there, and somebody were to hand it over and say, "Here you go. From now on, you're in charge." I think I personally would would be incredibly afraid that I'm not going to live up to that expectation of James Bond. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, how do you go there? But at the same time, I think it would be a wonderful opportunity to kind of get to go in there and, and really go into the depth of that character and explore them. So I think for a writer, it's a double-edged sword. You know, on the one hand, it's probably the greatest opportunity you're going to get, the ability to revamp that. But on the other hand, the amount of crushing responsibility would be huge. Uh, well, here's an interesting bit. I don't know if so much it's the writer, but it's also the passion. Um, we mentioned Star Wars earlier. Uh, Star Wars, the original three films made back, you know, in the first round, they weren't all written by George Lucas. They were written by a bunch of people, but they were working together on a project that they really loved and putting ideas together and made something that really caught on with the general public. When they came, when George Lucas came back to make the prequels, they fell short because he did not have all the passion for the universe. He wanted to make movies. He was there to have fun and make movies, but his passion wasn't necessarily for 
the integrity of the characters in the universe he was playing in. On the other hand, the people he hired to make the and the Clone Wars animated show, no, television show, show, they had that passion, and I think that that cartoon show is better than those three movies because it's the people who were working on it had a passion for the world and the characters in the world, and they paid attention to the expanded universe, and they had all they brought in all these things that gave a lushness and a vibrance and a soul to it that I felt lacked in the prequels for the most part because the prequels were more of a, a fun pet project when it came to the writing aspect. He, George really loves making like cool alien things and, and fancy set pieces and props. Well, he fully admitted it. He had the technology to finally do what he wanted to do, which is create the beautiful worlds, create the technology, you know, exactly yeah, what he's talking so he's, about. He wasn't there to write meaningful dialogue. He was there to show all of the cool toys that he wanted to show off. But, you know, there, there's also a valid and thing in that. And it was gorgeous. It was gorgeous. <laughs> it was beautiful. He, but he needed maybe I, to hand the script writing job to someone else. How about the Born? Born Identity? Born All oh, oh, the three yeah. original ones. Robert Ludlum died. And now we have Jeremy yep. Renner in the Born Legacy. Mm-hmm. Why doesn't that one move, live up to the others? And I don't think it comes even close. I will tell you that <laughs> just off the top. I think it did not. Well, I, I love I like the Bourne movies, and I like Jeremy Renner, and I like the Legacy movie because he was in it. But I think it was missing some of the heart that the Bourne movies had. See, I would actually throw in that this is going back to the time thing that we were getting on before. Mm-hmm. The reboot with Jeremy Renner came too soon mm-hmm. after the Matt Damon movies. Oh, it's great. just a few years. And I understand that need to want to continue the series and try and find a new way to revamp it, reboot it, and get a new series out there. But on the other hand, what we all really wanted was a new Jason Bourne movie, mm-hmm. not a Jeremy Renner movie. You know, and, and I love you, Jeremy. You're awesome as Hawkeye, and you're there. But you know, and I love the movie. Actually, I've seen it. I really enjoyed the Jason or the Bourne uh, legacy. But. What I really wanted was Jason Bourne. It did not belong under that title. No. I think having that title was more of a noose than it was anything else. Because it would have been fun to see that movie, just period. But it wasn't what I signed up for. We only have one minute left. So we should probably think about closing closing statements. Um, All right. Final thoughts on reboots? Uh, I think that... There's a lot. I I would love to talk about the to have another session about like the art of retelling or the art of sequeling. Maybe like remakes, like movie remakes, story yeah, remakes. Like talking about you know more about like this Jason Bourne stuff about what what happened too soon, what is gonna, how long should one wait, what are the changes, you know the different circumstances that would make one situation good while the other situation was bad. And we could bring it back to books instead of just movies. Yeah, yep. I think that there's a lot yeah, of ground to cover here. Yeah, it's hard to reboot a book. There's, you, you can reboot a character. Yeah. Like you can bring yeah. a character back, but it's hard to you say... You can't really reboot a yeah, book. Yeah, it's like the book has been written, so write a different but book. You can reboot a series of books, though. And, then, and it might be interesting to talk also about influence. Like, mm-hmm. especially in books, people who, you know, books you've read that you can tell were obviously influenced by another book. Yeah. Uh, that happens a lot currently in books being produced that people who they call, you know, trend chasing. Like, 
lots of people went and read the Hunger Games, and now we see a lot of Hunger Games-inspired books out there. The way that Three Musketeers turned into a steampunk movie? Yeah, you know, that kind of thing. The way that I would, I'd love to see the whole reboot idea attacked more from an inspiration angle. What what inspired them to read to redo the, the the Three Musketeers as a steampunk movie? It's like was it because they had a passion for steampunk, or was it because steampunk was in now? They wanted cool clockwork tech. I think cool, that's all. See, there you go. <laughs> well, I would say that whether you're talking about rebooting or extending a series or any of that, it's a knife that cuts both ways. Because yes, you get a degree of the familiar. A lot of stuff that the writer does not have to give out again because it's already there and the readers already know it. But at the same time, you are risking all if you don't at least measure up to the original. And sometimes even if you create something that's equally compelling, it's going to lose in comparison to the original. So I think it's a knife that cuts both ways. I would say stick to the core, change the rest, and definitely go see Reboot the Cartoon Show. Yes, <laughs> Reboot the Game. Season 3, it really picks up. There's a song, too. There's a song <laughs> about Season 3. Uh, nope, uh, I've been making my comments known. Is, uh, <laughs> well, uh, Wrap it up. Yeah. I suppose uh, my final thought would be then, if you are retelling anything... Uh, please do it because you're passionate about it. And if you can't be that, please respect the people who are. Tell mm. a good story. And, uh, yeah. Tune in next week. For another episode of Right Back Radio. The Right Back would like to thank STL Books for allowing us to record in their bookstore. STL Books and Gifts is St. Louis's newest independent bookstore with an emphasis on fine literature for adults and children and the most comprehensive selection of St. Louis books available anywhere. Visit them online at stlbooks.com or in person at 100 West Jefferson Avenue, Kirkwood, Missouri, 63122. Tune in next week as a right pack will conquer yet another pondering issue in the writing industry. Theme songs for Right Pack Radio were written and performed by Meredith Tate. All copyrights remain with her.